Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Morning. I'm excited to be up here. A long time ago, it feels like a long time ago, I wanted to be a pastor, a preacher. So to be up here is kind of exciting because I get to do a little bit of my dream. Uh, Conversations with God uh, is... uh, been an exciting summer to see what God is doing in the church, uh, from the, the FBC prayer movement to the prayer series that's been going on. Um, Alex kicked it off with pray big, pray big prayers. Don't be afraid of God's greatness. Don't be afraid to um, take a chance, take a risk. There's a Something that was said to me actually last Sunday, we were just talking about phrases and things, and and uh, somebody had said, it's a good day for a day. And they said, what exactly does that mean? And it was somebody that says it to them. So this is how I'm opening. I'm going to answer that question for that person. It's a good day for a day. And I thought about it, and the first thing that came to my mind was this, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a good day for a day. Yeah. 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 It's the day the Lord has made. So I don't know. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> so I was asked uh, a while ago to... Uh, uh, take on the challenge of Daniel chapter 9 and the prayer, and as I was studying about it, there uh, is a general consensus within the academic community, the Christian academic community, that this chapter of Daniel is one of the most important prophetic chapters in all of the Bible. But it would never have gotten there if Daniel didn't pray first. So we're going to stick with the theme of prayer because uh, the prophecy part is um, way above my pay grade. We'll put it that way. So um, if if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 9. If you do not, it should be up on the screen. I'm going to have to put on these funny-looking glasses that I got from the dollar store because I'm getting older. Um, I'm just going to kind of read this and go through it and maybe highlight a few things as we do that. Um, Daniel chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign... I, Daniel, perceived in the books of the the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Daniel started this prayer 
or this prayer was inspired because Daniel was reading about Jeremiah and the 70 years that they were going to be in Babylon. Now remember, Daniel was one of the young men that was taken from Jerusalem, from Israel, and taken to Babylon. So this is where he's living now, and he's lived here for quite some time. And he's reading Jeremiah, and Jeremiah talks about the desolation and, and the expulsion of the Israelites from Jerusalem. So he's reading this and thinking to himself, this is exactly where I'm at. This is not something that is unknown to God. Verse 3, he says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer, and pleased for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He prayed with purpose. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Um, You're all familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Before Jesus even uttered those words, Daniel was following the principle of that prayer. He started out recognizing who God is in his life. That, when I was studying this, I was going, that is amazing that before Jesus even uttered those words, that that prayer model of the Lord's Prayer was being um, used here by Daniel. I was like, that is, for me, it was so cool to see uh, the best way I can describe it is you're reading something in Scripture and it makes you think of something else in Scripture and it makes you think of something else in Scripture. Um, the, the Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Oftentimes, uh, talking to people, stuff just comes up and that you've forgotten that you have read at one time and, and you have great conversations about what God is doing in your life, their life, and in the world. Because at one time you've read that scripture, it's in your heart, and now it's coming out for a later time. And so as I was studying this, I was like, that is exactly how Jesus taught us how to pray. To recognize God first when you go to him in prayer. Recognize his greatness, not just in your own life, but in all of creation. Nothing is happenstance. Nothing that is going on hasn't been written down before, as Daniel found out by reading Jeremiah. So two things. Um, Maybe I'm jumping to my conclusion ahead of time, but when you pray, if you don't know what to pray, go go to your Bible and just pray what's in there. And as you strengthen your praying and your muscle of prayer by reading the scripture and putting it in your heart, Prayer will come easier. He also prayed uh, very much with purpose. Um, he, He comes and says, We have sinned and done wrong, and we have acted wickedly. We have rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servant, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame, as it is to this day, 
to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near, those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery they have committed against you. Daniel is not blaming God for his problems. Daniel is taking responsibility for something that happened to him that was out of his control. He wasn't making excuses. He was saying, God, we have sinned. We would not be here if we had followed your rules and your commandments. It was that simple. There's, uh, in, the, in the U.S. Uh, Marines, when you are in front of your drill sergeant and he's giving you a dressing down, one thing you do not do is make excuses because there is no excuse. You don't give an excuse, then an explanation. Daniel was taking on full responsibility, not for him, but for the people of Israel. He was interceding for them. He was like, we have sinned. End of story. We didn't follow what you said to do. End of story. I'm not making an excuse saying, well, you know, circumstances led me to this part of life. No, he took the responsibility upon himself. And in intercessory prayer, um, when we pray for our nation, we need to take the responsibility. It, it, it's easy to go, I want to pray for Canada, but the leaders of our nation are incompetent. That's an excuse. Just say, God, I want you to move in Canada. I want you to do what you set out to do. And as far as praying for the leaders, I struggle with this because there's a lot of these leaders, and I'm sure you could probably agree, there's a lot of people in politics you don't like. And I was like, God, you said in your word, you have to pray for them. How do I pray for them? And it took a little while, but my answer came as just pray that they will get to know me and get saved. And I was like, wow. Can you imagine if they got saved, had a change of heart, what that could do for our nation as far as, you know, uh, outreach for the rest of the world? And I'm thinking, wow, that's what the Israelites were supposed to do. It's um, a lot in here in these first 19 verses. But it's exciting because it's an example to us of what to do. Oftentimes you, you, you hear, well, we want you to pray for this and we want you to pray for that. And you're like, okay, but how? This is a great example of how to pray. Just to, to, to take responsibility, even if you're not to blame, and put that aside and say, Lord, we had sinned as a nation and I'm bringing this before you because I want you to move. It says in your word, in the last days, there will be a great outpouring. Wouldn't it be great if Canada was the center of that? I don't know if it will be or not, but it would be pretty cool to think about. I forget where I was. I think I'm on verse 9. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws which is set before us by his servant, the prophets. Once again, he, he is talking about the disobedience of Israel. But he's also reminding God that mercy belongs to him. And he's asking for mercy. Mercy 
does not belong to us. It is given to us, but it doesn't belong to us. It's God's. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. <coughs> Excuse me. Everything that is happening to the Israelites being uh, banished from the land of Judah is because of sin. Sin is disobedience against God. God said, if you sin and continue to sin, this is what's going to happen. It's not God's fault. He laid it out. He's laid out a path. And if we follow his path, we walk in his light. If we decide that our ways are going to be better than God's ways and we get off into the darkness... Don't blame God for the calamity that comes upon you. Just take responsibility and say, Lord, I've strayed from your path. Please forgive me. It's, it's on me. I want to be back in right fellowship with you. And that comes from God's own word, his own promises. What he has promised, we are to remind him of that. If um, <clears throat> I think of if you got a five-year-old kid, a child, and you say, listen, if you're good all afternoon, eat all your supper, we're going to go for ice cream afterwards. After supper, we're going to go out, we're going to get ice cream cone, any flavor you want. And that child, five-year-old child, they behave all afternoon, no tantrums, they eat all their supper. Guess what's the first thing going to happen after supper? They're going to remind you. That's what we are to do with God. Remind him of what he has already put down and said in his word about us. He has confirmed his words, verse 12, which he spoke against us and our rules, rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Once again, Daniel is not passing blame. He's stating that God, this was already written in your word, and because of it, we are the ones who turned away we followed the false prophets. Therefore, the calamity that's upon us is brought on from our own doing. But we'll keep reading here because it's getting good. <clears throat> 14, therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity brought upon us. For the Lord God is righteous in all the works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. Here he is reminding God what he has done. And have made a name for yourself as it is this day. We have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, the righteous acts of God, if you're wondering what his righteous acts are, is his word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. His word is 
the righteousness. It's the standard by which everything is done. He cannot change his word. He cannot go back on his word. So when he's talking about uh, uh, his righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, it's because God's righteousness said, if you don't follow the blessing, you'll ultimately be cursed. The calamity that came upon them, the desolation of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, was all because of their sin. Now, I'm not wanting this to be a down message, so hang on here, because like I said, it gets better. But God said, if you do this, this will happen. That's his righteousness. It's like uh, in a court of law, if you break the law, there is a penalty. They broke God's law. They broke God's word. There was the penalty. Thankfully, Daniel read the Bible, or well, I guess they didn't have it called the Bible then, but he read Jeremiah, and this sparked this deep longing in him. He's like, well, Daniel's talking about 70 years. It's been about 66 years since I've been here. Wow, I'm going to start praying about this. I had to make this a priority. That's what we, that's what intercession is, is making things a priority over our own lives. And uh, so we'll just continue here. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our father, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, God, listen to the prayer of your servant. You can pray like that. You can say, God, listen to me. And to his pleas for mercy for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. Do you think God didn't see that? Do you think that God is like, oh, well, that's, that's old news. God knew what was going on. But he needed to be reminded by Daniel That's what intercessing is, is reminding God, hey, you said this, therefore I'm pleading and I'm asking for mercy that you accomplish it. It, 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 like I said, it's like the kids after supper going, I was good, I ate all my supper, I even put my dishes in the sink. Where's my ice cream? They have every right to say that. Now, if the kid didn't behave, didn't eat all their dessert, what can your response be? No, you don't have the right to say that. Exciting. Oh my God, incline your ear. I guess I did read that. <laughs> or did I? Open your eyes and see our desolation. See these called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. There's a scripture that says the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Daniel's reminding God, hey, your mercies are new every morning. This is what I want for my people. It's, it is interesting <clears throat> that one of the most um, 
not, not just Daniel was praying for, for the rest, restoration of Jerusalem, but it's interesting that as a, as a high-level government official who probably had a very busy schedule, he prayed for his people, for his nation. He considered his, <clears throat> the Israelites and the Jews his people. That's where, like, uh, I was born and raised in Canada. Canada is where I'm from, and so I consider Canada my home. Uh, Daniel grew up in Jerusalem, and he considered Jerusalem his home. He didn't return to Jerusalem. He hadn't. Um, he had the offer to go back, but he turned it down. More, more than likely, because as a high government official, he knew he could be more useful to helping the Jews return from there than if he had gone home. So. Uh, that, that's kind of down the road a little bit, but I just want to show you Daniel's character. We can pray for things that um, may not directly affect us, but affect the people we love. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. You think Daniel's being presumptuous and telling God what to do? I don't think he is. I think he's just saying, I just got through reading Jeremiah. You said, so do something about it. That's interceding. When you're interceding for someone you love, it's like, God, I want you to do this. And... Oftentimes, if we have a right heart and we come with a right motive, which is another thing that Daniel has done here, he has put aside everything. He put on sackcloth and ashes and he fasted. He gave up himself to put himself in front of the people he was praying for. He says, delay not for your own sake, oh my God, because your city and your people are called by my name. The idea of grace and mercy and intercession is uh, can't, grace and mercy oftentimes cannot come without confession. We cannot be saved and enter the kingdom of heaven without confessing Jesus as Lord, acknowledging him as Savior. And uh, baptism is not a requirement to get there, but it is an outward public display, and that's happening in three weeks. So I, I would suggest if you have not done that and you have accepted Jesus, that would be a very um, good thing to look into because uh it's it's that part of that confession and that confession uh, that brings the mercy because if you don't confess that Jesus is Lord, he can't extend his mercy. Um, there's a quote, and if I can find it here. Uh, did I write it down? Mercy. I love this quote. I just found it last night. I was trying to figure out how to define mercy and grace. 
And in my not so eloquent way of talking, I sometimes need help. So I, I found this. Mercy is the act of, of withholding deserved punishment, while grace is the act of endowing unmerited favor. Here's the example. In his mercy, God does not give us punishment we deserve, namely hell. While in his grace, God gives us the gift we do not deserve, namely heaven. And that was a quote from Philip. Uh, I'm not even going to say his last name for, for um, don't want to butcher that. But uh, I am so excited over this, this prayer thing for, um, for the summer, for, for the FBC prayer movement. Um, just so you know, I, was, uh, I go to a church where the pastor tells you how to dress. He told me to wear this this morning. Pray hard. Praying hard is not hard if we use God's word as our blueprint. To uh, um, the last time I was up here was shortly after we had our house fire, which uh, may have seemed bad at the time, and it may have been. But God has been through it all, and it's actually been quite a blessing. But. I said at that time, sometimes I didn't know what to do, so I just knew, I just did what I already knew to do. And, and with prayer, is very similar. When you don't know how to pray, uh, a great place to start is the Psalms. And because the Psalms are prayers, they're songs. A lot of songs we sing can be prayers that are written down, put to music. And... Uh, on Sunday mornings, uh, the, the, the singing is in and of itself could be the prayer. I just want to reiterate about uh, the mercy. When, when we're making confession before God, and even if Daniel wasn't in the wrong, he was still part of the exile because he was part of that people group and that people group, the Israelites, were in the wrong for disobeying God. But he didn't make excuses. I, I want to stress that, not to make an excuse when you come before God. He knows. So if you say, well, but that was because, no, no buts. The only but should in your life should be but God. You make the confession, you remind God of his word, but God does the work in your life. I think back to things like, like for example, our house fire. And uh, we were so close to having a mortgage paid off. And uh, of course now we've got another mortgage. But I look at it and think if we had the mortgage paid off, we were planning to rebuild on that property. And right now with the houses the way they are, we can't. But because of where the market was right after the house fire, we paid a fair price for a nice property, which is now would have been out of our reach. Um, was the fire bad? Yes. Did God use it for good? Yes. In his mercy. He used it for good.
to, um, to, to sit there and do what you know to do. The only thing I knew to do was to trust him. I'm 48 years old, and for 48 years, this is my testimony, by the way, so it's short, it's sweet. God has looked after me for 48 years. Why would he give up on me now? And I think that's where Daniel was going. It says, you know, he said in his prayer about Jeremiah and the 70 years, and you said, God, after 70 years, we can go back to our home. I'm reminding you of that. We have sinned. I'm confessing that. But in your grace and your mercy, answer my prayer. Do it. And majority of scholars agree that God did answer his prayer because in the 66th year of the 70 years is when they started back to Jerusalem and they started back to rebuild the walls. And um, (laughs) I think that that is uh, where I am actually going to end this. I had so much stuff I could say and uh, didn't. I'm going to uh, just read uh, 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 answers to life questions. It's in Charles Stanley's study Bible. And I want to leave you with this and then with uh, one other thing. And uh, anyway, uh, this, uh, in Daniel 9, it says, how can I learn to pray effectively? And in Daniel 9, it says, uh, Charles Stanley says, Dan- Daniel demonstrates how to pray with power and confidence. When he discovered in the book of Jeremiah that the Babylonian captivity would last 70 years, he fell to his knees and began interceding for his people. In Daniel 9, we see a great example of what prayer should be. Its focus is on Almighty God and his character. It includes sincere confession, unselfishness, and dependence on the word of God. Such prayer has great power. In Daniel's case, God sent the angel Gabriel with his answer even before the prophet had completed his supplication. To find God during your own hardship, go to the portal Daniel knew best. Go to your knees. Model your prayer after Daniel's and model your life after Daniel 11.32. And in the second part of Daniel 11.32, it says, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And the Bible also tells us in James 5.16, The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that is exactly what we want our prayers to be. And especially in a crisis. But don't wait for the crisis to start praying. There is a hymn, and as a young Christian, I would uh, be at work, and even then, the world's pressure against Christians were pretty great. You'd get made fun of at school and stuff. I mean, we weren't being taken out back and stoned or nothing, but, you know, as a 16-year-old new believer, not that I wasn't a believer in God, but a new believer as far as confessing that Jesus is Lord, I felt the pressure, you know, to live differently, to honor my God. And I would oftentimes sing hymns to myself, sometimes out loud, if I was not around people, uh, because, you know, 
I, I think I can sing, but others may disagree. But I want to leave you with this hymn as my prayer for you guys, and it's Be Thou My Vision. And um, I don't know how many of you may be familiar with it, but this would be my prayer is like for, for, for us. It's Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Put God first. Put him first. See what happens. It's amazing. Be thou my wisdom, thou my true word, I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great father, and I thy true son, thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise. Thou my inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. High King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. In Matthew 6.33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you want to know what those things are, read Matthew, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and 6. But seek first the kingdom of God. And it's amazing, when you seek God first, how life will go. The ups, the downs, they will still be there. But your reaction to them will be more in line with God and what he wants for your life. Daniel discovered this. Daniel executed it. And Daniel was able to watch it happen. There's the whole other part of the chapter. I do encourage you to read the rest of the chapter about the 70 weeks. God gave Daniel a glimpse of what was going to take place in the world right up to the end of the world. People have tried to define prophecy and my definition, and this is my own opinion, but my definition of prophecy is it's history that we haven't experienced yet. Because God is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And he gave Daniel a glimpse of that. He didn't have to, but that was kind of a bonus answer to Daniel's prayer. So if we pray, and we pray hard, and we keep God first, you may be surprised what God will show you. Father, I just thank you for this day, this awesome day that you have made. I thank you for the opportunity to just share. Um, and this is a dream for me, so thank you for that. And I just ask that uh, as we go forth through this week, that you would just show yourself strong to everybody that's here and everybody that's watching online. And I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.